Tonight's very special crossing broadcast on the Kinker Podcast Network, brought to you by Cinch. Looking to have somebody deliver some propane to your house? Just use the promo code CROSSINGBROAD. That's Crossing Broad on Cinch.com. C-Y-N-C-H.com. They'll bring you new propane. Get rid of that old propane. Kind of like how the Celtics got rid of Kyrie Irving. Brought in Kemba Walker. He's a brand new, beautiful propane tank. Later in the show, did the Philadelphia 76ers tamper Al Horford? Do we feel that Wawa really betrayed the Eagles by coming to an agreement with the Baltimore Ravens? But first, our friends from Diamond Jam. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that. That was a good intro, Russ. I thought you were going to sing a song, though. Didn't you say you were going to sing a song? Well, I was going to, but you said you know you wanted to do your little sound drops ahead of time. So, uh, uh, okay. I thought you were, I was going to do the drops, and you were going to sing. But listen, I thought it was a good intro anyway. I should have. It was. I have a good song. Yeah. We'll have to. We'll have to get it. Well, I'll do it. You know what? We'll do it when we get to the uh, to the part of the show that is uh, that's meaningful. That, your that goes Bill, um, your Bill Simmons, kind of. Uh, you started to like kind of segue into a Trump there a little bit, and then you pulled it back. I'm the kinker. <laughs> Podcast Network. <laughs> Where do you want to start today, Kevin? I'm 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 riled up, man. Cousin cousin Pal, cousin Val, he's over there. He's was on Al the, Horford uh, sh- on the on the Sugar House app? Was Al Horford tampered with? Even though uh, Kemba the Walker Boston just Sun. magically appeared in a <laughs> with a, with a, a contract in Boston, right? Are we really gonna love- act? Are we really gonna act like tampering doesn't happen everywhere in the NBA? I love Kemba Walker. He came back. He delivered the Boston Celtics from a horrible horrible fate. Kind of like Simba, if you think about it, in The Lion King. Great movie. Don't know how I feel about the live action. So uh, where do you want to start today? Because we, we have a lot. There, there is a lot going on in the city of Philadelphia. There is. You know, I just want to say uh, thanks to everybody for being patient. We haven't done one of these in a long time. Because it's been slow. You know, I mean, let's be honest. It's like the t- these were like the last, what? W- wouldn't you say these are like the three slowest weeks of the sports calendar, right? I mean, like MLB, like all-star break end of NBA free agency, right? You know, the mandatory mini camps in the NFL are over and like nothing's happening before training camp starts. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that we're here to talk seven for seven sports, you know, because if it wasn't for us, where else would you get your Philadelphia soul, Atlantic city, blackjacks <laughs> and Mithactin football updates? You know what I mean? <laughs> what? Um, I, you know, this is, I guess, the first thing we need to get out of the way. Did you know that the Philadelphia Phillies are seven and a half games out of the NL East lead right now? Not only behind the Atlanta Braves, but also behind the Washington Nationals, who I'm pretty sure either Bob or Anthony declared dead months ago on mm-hmm. Crossed Up, which I believe is also driving a new episode tonight. So we'll have to make sure that uh, everybody who's listening here goes on over and checks it out. But let's uh, let's start with the, the thing that people really care about. And I don't know if it's the Philadelphia Phillies who were in third place. And I, I brought this up with the uh, with the with the maestro himself, the boss today, Kyle. And I said, you know, I think it might be time they'd have to change your uh, your stance on the Philadelphia Union. They are, after all, in first place. Well, the in only the Eastern first Conference. place team in town. I know, I know. Listen, what I would like to say is, first of all, thank you to everybody who came out to the live podcast on Saturday because I know there's crossover. I know a bunch of the uh, always soccer listeners listen to this show as well. We had about like probably like 60, 70, 75 people there. I mean, the brewery was packed. Couldn't really fit any more people in there. 
Um, it was a great show. We went about 55 minutes. It was hot as balls. Um, but everybody seemed to have a good time and we had a really, really good, uh, really good time doing it. Unfortunately, the audio file that I tried to record was shitty because I think there was way too much, uh, sound, way too much noise going on in the background. I just got like a jumbled mess coming into the microphones. But, uh, if you were there, uh, congratulations, uh, it'll be like a, a lore item. You know, you can say that I was there and nobody else can hear the audio. I did get one, recording. I did get one thing on video, actually one segment from the show on video. And that's, there's a, um, if you listen to the always soccer podcast, we go through crossing broad comments, like mean comments about, uh, soccer where like guys pop in and they say, well, soccer's not a fucking sport. You guys are a bunch of idiots, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we like to read those like as a parody kind of thing so we did a live version of uh the mean uh, crossing broad comments and that's on video so i'll be dropping that uh hopefully at some point but yeah it was a good time it was a good time Do thanks we- for everybody who, uh, who came out well let's let's talk about a couple things really quick before before we move on because there's mm-hmm. there's something very important that you mentioned in there but uh you did mention that it was wicked hot and you mentioned the uh the larimer brewery and we yeah. actually got to sample that a few days ahead of time yeah we were at the uh the media game russ uh russ and i went down the philadelphia union media game it was raining um, but we all had a good time anyway. You know, they give you like some gear, they give you some swag, they give you like a shirt with your name on it. They take you through like a warm up session, like a film session with the coaches. Then you go out on the field and you uh, kick the soccer ball around. You play like a little scrimmage. And uh, the good thing this time, Russ, was that uh, nobody tore their Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever told that story on here. And I had been telling the story wrong actually for three years. But the news director at NBC10. Uh, when we did the media game in 2016, we were doing like a just, you know, simple passing drill to warm up outside. I look over and this guy's like crumpled up on the ground. I'm sitting here thinking like, what the fuck is going on? Like what happened? Somebody get hurt already? And, uh, yeah, the news director at NBC 10 tore his, uh, I thought it was his ACL, but he tore his Achilles. He tore his Achilles at the last media game. Arguably a worse injury. Uh, is it a worse injury? He'll he'll never he'll never be the same athlete ever again. At I know. least with an ACL, you might rebound even better. But uh, I know now when he's making a, editorial decisions at NBC Ten, he's just not going to feel the same ever again. He's going to be sixty percent or so. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so, nobody, everybody got through it. Nobody, nobody was uh, nobody was injured. Uh, how were you feeling afterwards? Um, well, I was I was happy because my wife and uh, my friend Ben, who got married over the weekend, so congrats to him. Uh, they um, they both said to me going into it like you're going to tear something and then you're going to screw up the wedding because I was in the I was in the bridal party right so um, I felt good to get out of that but I uh, I was not thrilled with the near, uh, near asthma attack that I got to suffer because mm. uh, for those who were around on what was it Thursday that we did that it was not only like a hundred plus degrees outside but because of the rain and everything as soon as we walked out of that uh, the power complex mm-hmm. down by Talon Energy it just felt like you you were breathing in soup. And uh, it was my, very my lungs heavy. Feeling it. it. Yeah, it, was it felt rough. very. Uh, it was like very oppressive. I guess would be a good yeah. way to kind of describe. But uh, I think because fun, of that, they cut it short. Yeah, they cut it short, so we didn't play as long as we normally do. But uh, next I've, year, next year we'll get Craig. Uh, Craig out there to shoot film some it. video. That's that's what it's all about. I put a couple know. slide tackles in. Unfortunately, none of them made it onto a video. But I thought you held your own, man. I thought um, I thought you represented Crossing Broad well. Um, I thought uh, I represented Crossing Broadwell. I think we, uh, I think the website was well represented overall. Kinker was a lovely screamer from the center of the pitch, yeah, from midfield. A high and wide. Oh, it was a beautiful shot by Kinker, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I could have broken Mark Farzetta's hand, but I decided because he was a nice guy and. Yeah. And he said he's, you know, he's, they're expecting a, a baby at some point. I, I felt yeah. like it wasn't a good idea to smash his hand, but Mark, uh, could Mark have had the first game up. of the goal of the game. But yeah. Mark was mic'd up. He had a video crew with him, 
And I just have so much trouble telling him and Sean, uh, Sean Brace apart when they're out there because they're both bald. They're both wearing a white union shirt and they both have a beard. They both, they look like exactly the same. So <clears throat> they wow. did like a little, uh, you know, cute video afterwards. Hey, uh, this well, they is were, Sean and I'm Mark and this is Sean and I'm Mark. But yeah. They were, uh, they were sitting goofing around during the video session with uh, Jim Curtin. And mm-hmm. I think I said to you, we haven't seen two powerful balds like this together in a soccer room since uh, the men in Blazers. I think about four people who listen to the show are going to understand that. Um, the coolest thing, uh, because I know that a lot of people care about soccer, uh, the coolest thing that they had is the VR setup that they've got. And I have to imagine that this is going to happen in other sports if it doesn't already. Mm-hmm. Um, so stick with me on, on this one, folks at home, because the visual would be much more helpful. But, you know, podcast. So they, um, they take every uh, bit of game film and they take the chips that the players wear, effectively like a sports bra that has a, a chip inside that tracks their pace, it tracks a lot of their their body metrics, their heart rate, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then it also tracks the distance they travel. They take both of those uh, sets of data and they compile them into what amounts to be a, a virtual representation of the game that allows any coach or any player at any time to take the VR headset and play out the game through the eyes of that player. Now, obviously, they don't control the motion. The motion is controlled by you know what the player's movements were. But it allows every player to go back in and take a look around from within that that digital um, reconfiguration uh, of the the game, and it allows them to see the passes that they could have made, the defensive assignments they might have missed, and it's a really cool way to see everything happening in the full speed of the game. Well, it would be perfect for for football, you know, like it for example, you're, you're Carson Wentz, and you and you you play a game. Say they play the first preseason game against the Titans, right? And they go back and they put him into this virtual reality headset that that charts all of the routes that his receivers ran and where the defenders were. So he can like kind of go back and like re relitigate every pass that he made and every read that he made and he can he can say, Okay, well I see this defender doing this, I see this defender doing this, this was a clean break, this guy didn't get off as easily as he normally does. And he can sort of like you know, he can look it through instead of just watching the film on it, you know, the all 22 film, right? Where he's saying, okay, now I see what this safety was doing and what this corner was doing. He can look at it from his perspective, you know, straight on kind of like 120 degrees or whatever. Um, so that was interesting. I'd be very um, intrigued to see that applied to, um, to other sports as well. But um, yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. I do have to call out uh, my man, Sean, Sean Brace. Yeah. He, uh, <clears throat> he had his Jersey customized to say sniper on the back of it and sniper, uh, if no you're gonna sniping. do sniper no sniping if you're gonna do that you gotta score at least one goal you know and uh not to put sean on blast but he didn't he didn't score a single goal so gotta put gotta you put can't the ball in the yeah old bag. i mean you can't do you can't do sniper my man and then uh and then not score but it's all right you know i told him i was gonna call him out if he didn't score because when you put yourself uh out like that then uh you know, it's a lofty standards for yourself, you know? So, yep. Um, all right, Russ, why don't we... Uh, but, well, there, there was one other thing that you mentioned that I think we need to, uh, that we should address because apparently okay. nobody's done it on the site. You know, you mentioned the fact that at the uh, the live podcast, you uh, you read some Crossing Broad comments mm-hmm. and uh, nobody's addressed this. The maestro has been relatively silent on the matter. Do we, do we tell people what's going on with the comments? Because I'm sure they're... They're is strong. there a, a policy? I'm. I guess I'm not really. Uh, I don't so think I was you, ever really like uh, informed. Was I? So, uh, as part of a, a seeming policy change that's been implemented by the maestro himself, 
uh, it would appear that if you want to post comments on the website, which you can still do, you just have to use a real email address. Whereas in the past, people used to just go in and put a, a BS email, and then they would post something that was overtly racist or homophobic or sexist. Yeah, it would and be you'd like have to go would... in after the fact and delete it, and yeah. then hope that like some people would actually go in and you know actually have a somewhat decent reaction to a, a piece, either critical or in support of something that goes up on the site. You know, especially like after one of your Sixers. Uh, you know, post-game breakdowns or something that Bob puts together for the Phillies or like a, even the Phillies betting preview, Anthony with the hockey stuff. Like it, it sometimes I'm not looking for this to be like the, uh, the, the, um, the athletics comment section where everybody's just, you know, giving each other high fives and hugs and like, thank you so much mm-hmm. for the 60% off coupon. But like, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, maybe this will lead to there being a little bit more productive conversation. Although I will say, that if uh, people don't want to do that, and again, you can forward all your hate mail to Kyle, but if um, if people don't want to do that, of course, the uh, comments are still live and active on Facebook, and of course, every article goes out through Twitter, so you can also keep the conversation going there. So, I don't know. It well, feels like it's a, a slight change in policy here, but I think it'll ultimately be for the better, but, you know, well, just and keep site traffic, yeah, up, and to, up to date. Site traffic has not changed one bit. So, when you read the couple of trolls in the comments section who are saying, well, people only come here to read the comments and whatever, I mean, it's straight up bullshit. I can tell you, I can tell you that honestly. I mean, there's literally no difference between... Uh, there literally was no correlation to the number of comments that were on a story and how many page views that story got like for example which is interesting yeah we yeah we did the whole google analytics uh side of of the site today yeah i'm not kyle and kyle and i oh did you okay well maybe you can share off uh off air off the podcast later we can we can talk about that you and i because i would like to be um uh appraised apprised appraised apprised apprised of what uh sorry it's been a long day i'd like to be apprised of that information as well but listen yeah there there really is no correlation like the big monday mornings uh philadelphia eagles like 10 takeaways posts i do for example that like destroys traffic all day long for like hours at a time and that only gets like maybe like 10 or 12 comments or something like that but then you get like you know you get 50 comments for something else that doesn't really get much of much of anything at all so there was no correlation to to that at all um the only thing i think the one thing i'll i'll say about the comments is that um there were some people who popped up there like every so often who did have like interesting and good things to say and i felt like the most annoying thing about the trolls was not just that they were trolling because there's assholes everywhere but they, they, they like kind of like suppressed a lot of other people like people who otherwise had good things to say or like interesting comments or who wanted to like create like an interesting like back and forth like dialogue you know or wanted to be like productive um they were kind of drowned out by the bullshit you know what i mean like for every good post that there yeah. was there was 15 bullshit posts about me being a racist or whatever the fuck you know so it's like yep. that to me it was like this it was like a, a growing like 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 poisonous like um alien it's vine just, yeah, it was, that was, it was like a, strangle, it was a, it was strangling like strangling like all of the it was like the trolls came from like came on a ship from europe and they were not native to this land like an invasive species of vine that was just strangling <laughs> they were like the lantern flies of yeah. uh of they were like the kudzu no, vine, like just killing all the good discussion because there were some people who had some who had some good things to say. Yeah, and and here's the other thing. So, um, you know, a lot of times the people who end up leaving the comment that would say like, "Oh man, nobody's going to read the site anymore because you got rid of the comments." It's typically the same person or the same two people from over the same two I, I, IP addresses mm-hmm. who argue with themselves with like the most ridiculous crap, like over the top crap. And and don't get me wrong, if you use a real email and you 
um, again, like this isn't a subscriber thing. I know that Kyle was like running with a subscriber model for a little bit where he had to pay or something. Um, it's not that you just have to like, actually yeah, it's not a, a subscriber email. thing. All you got, um, literally all you got to do is put in a real email address. So there's a guy who'd commented on something today and it was like, he it was about the Wawa thing, the Baltimore Wawa thing. And it was like, I used to live in Delco and I live in Baltimore now. And here's what I know about sandwiches or something. So I was like perfectly yeah, benign. And, and so that's good. Yeah. yeah. And so like, um, I don't know. I think that, you know, if you ever got done reading something on the site and you wanted to, like, not get shouted down by trolls, uh, this is probably your chance now. Well, so and it just it frees up like more it. time for me because I don't have to waste my time deleting, like, racist bullshit in there either, you know? So it's, uh, yep. it's a win-win. Um, because for better or worse, like, we would try to moderate a lot of that stuff, you and I, I think. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just impo- it's impossible to be on there 24-7 to take down the stuff. And some of it, you know, people figured out ways to get around the... Uh, the comment filter. So this is this is kind of oh for sure the best, for sure the best of of every world for us. So anyway, well let's do. Um, I know you're not very you interested, Baltimore. but um, oh go ahead. Oh, do you, you want to do that first? Well, I was going to well, say I, I'm you, not. You brought it up, so it's up to you. Okay, go, well let's do this. Let's go. do this. Um, I'm kind of interested in getting it back to the Eagles. I've like okay. kind of come out of my Eagles moratorium a little bit because training camp is coming up, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm on fire. I'm really hot when it comes to this. Uh, I'm really heated, feeling heated about this training camp thing. But let's wrap, let's like wrap up. Before we do that, let's like, there's a couple lingering Sixers things I feel like we can like put a bow on. Uh, So let's do that. And then we'll go do some Eagles stuff. And then I have some other things beyond there. So Sixers topics, um, Kyle Korver went to the Bucks. He's not coming here. Uh, Al Horford, the Celtics were annoyed that he was, the Sixers were tampering with him, but we already said everybody tampers anyway, right? Um, Tobias Harris withdrew from the FIBA World Cup um, squad. Those three minor topics, do you have any any thoughts on those before we do the Ben Simmons jump shot video madness? I'm a little bit – I'm honestly a little bit bummed that, that uh, Tobias backed out because I thought it would have been good experience um, for him. But if this means that he's going to go and, and continue to work out with, you know, with Ben or some of his other teammates – and he's going all in on the team, then I'm here for it. Remember that when Al Horford, before he was officially announced with the Sixers, he went on and posted his, uh, not really a goodbye, but it was more of a um, uh, an announcement about him not participating with the Dominican uh, national team this summer. And, of course, that was in Espanol, so that's good for people like me, yes, and see. not for the people who don't read Spanish. Um, but he, uh, he, very clear, he made it very clear that he was intending on spending his time devoting his time to um getting acclimated to his team which hadn't been announced as philly yet but it was clear that he was going elsewhere like that was i think the first real mm-hmm. giveaway mm-hmm. Uh, other than like Woj and shams reporting it um i i do think it can be a good thing if that's going to get these guys together working on chemistry early um i'm not looking for these guys to post a daily workout from the gym well if ben, if ben is going to skip it's nice if they're going together you know if ben is going to skip the World Cup for Australia for the same reasons that everybody else yeah. is, then I guess it, it makes sense for Tobias then to, because he's coming in, yes, he's coming back to the team, but I mean, he could, you know, it's a whole new starting five. So, I mean, you're starting yeah. fresh and, and the, the World Cup, if they go to the final, that'll take them up to September 15th. Um, which the, is nuts. Which is nuts because the training, last year training camp started on September 22nd. So, yeah. and then you're coming all the way back from China, the tournament's in China. China, as uh, President Trump China. would say, and um, it, it just doesn't. I mean, it's just really not feasible, really, is it? So, I mean, Jonah Bolden now is the lone 
Sixers representative out there um, in the entire tournament, which I guess makes and sense. He needs, but, he uh, needs all the reps he can get to, so it's not a bad thing. Yeah. The only reason that I think that it's it's a bummer, like on the Tobias side, is because you know I, I think that we're expecting him to take a larger share of the offensive touches this year with Jimmy Butler gone. Mm-hmm. That he's going to probably be like the number two scoring option on the team mm-hmm. behind Joel Embiid. Um, and I, I say number two because he can score from pretty much any zone on the on the court, whereas Ben is going to continue to be Ben. And and he's going to live or die by getting to the rim, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, being able to see him um, taking on probably a, a higher level of responsibility and, and getting some work with the national team isn't a bad thing. But I get why he's doing it. So it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm not upset. About yeah. It. Um, OK, so Ben on ben, the video of Ben shooting a three pointer in a scrimmage and hitting a, another like fade away in a scrimmage or whatever. Um I don't really understand what why everybody's all excited about it because he's been do he's been doing this like pregame and in practices like for a year now for two years now. Uh, yeah, I know I know there are other people quote unquote uh, defenders <laughs> in the video, but it's not like they're playing tough defense or anybody's like running around real hard or showing a lot of energy or something like that. Like literally, we've seen him like sit there and take three pointers before the game, and maybe maybe this doesn't resonate as much with me because I guess I've seen it so often. Maybe fans don't see it as much because it happens before games, and like you have to be at the at the arena to see it. But he sits there before games and he shoots a bunch of three pointers and he shoots a bunch of bunch of jump shots and stuff like that. And at practice, he does the same thing. So to me, I look at this video that came out and I'm like, okay, whatever, it's nice. First of all, his form is still terrible. He's still shooting the ball like a right handed shooter. I mean, like literally, his left elbow is flared out. And if he was a right-hander, his form would be perfect uh, to shoot the basketball righty. Um, but it, it like so, so to me, it's like okay, it really doesn't mean anything until he, until he actually starts trying this stuff in a game. Now that's one side of it. The other side of it for me is at the end of the day, like I guess I'm at a point now, and I'd I'd be very interested in asking Brett about this. Maybe at the um, maybe at the luncheon, the media lunch that he does. But it, do you get to a point where you just it does not matter what the hell Ben's form looks like at all? Like, look, he's going to shoot with his elbow out. Obviously, he's got a right hand, left hand, like ambidexterity problem here. Uh, are you just willing to go the Reggie Miller route where, look, he's going to have a really funky release for his entire career? And if it goes in five out of ten times, you live with it. Yeah, Sean, like I think of Sean Marion. Sean Marion. Sean Marion yeah. had that weird kind of two-hand push. Yeah. and was arguably one of the most dynamic players in that that long run that the uh, Phoenix Suns had. He was he was kind of a linchpin of that offense. So you don't need to have great form. Would it be nice for him to have you know a, a silky smooth J? Sure, but he might not need it. Like if you're right, if it goes in, even if he's able to put together like somehow like a forty five percent shot from from the wing mm-hmm. and is able to to get a three point shot that operate somewhere around 30% either from dead on or even from the corner where he seemed to like to take shots ahead of games last year. Like that's perfectly fine. You know? Yeah. The other thing that's weird about it, and this is kind of like basketball, like nuance, this is kind of like diving a little bit deeper, but I mean, because his elbow is flared out and he's putting so much side spin on the ball that when he misses, he's going to miss in really weird ways. And what I mean by that is like normally what like for rebounding or whatever, like the Bob Huggins school of thought is like you just crash the weak side glass, you know, offensively. But when he's putting this crazy side spin on it, I mean, there's going to be like these wild and unpredictable bounces, you know, that lead to like run outs for the other team or like maybe then like you've got go guys and, and get back guys out of position and stuff like that. It's just like really 
weird <laughs> to me. I wish I'd said like a, a better way to, to explain it. But when you see it up close, like we get to be like right down on the sidelines watching the pregame, but the ball just comes out of his hand spinning sideways. And I don't know, man, maybe he, maybe he gets it to a point where his next year, his free throw percentage is up to 68, 70% or something like that. And he keeps the elbow tucked in and it improves as it goes on. But like when I saw that video to kind of bring it back to that, I didn't really have much of a, much of a reaction one way or another, you know? Yeah. So how do you feel about it? Like, do you, would you say that you believe? No, no, because it doesn't matter. I've seen that a million times. I need to see it in a game. Like, I think he shot, I got to pull it up, but I'm pretty sure he shot fewer mid range shots this year than he did last year. Remember at the end of his first year, you know, he was developing that nascent kind of like little elbow jumper, you know, and he was trying it like two or three times a game for a chunk of like 20 to 25 games. And he stopped, um, but last year, you know, we were talking about the same damn thing this time last year, saying he's got to come back with a jump shot. He's going to come back with a jump shot. And he actually came back and became a better post player. So it actually went in the complete opposite direction. But it doesn't matter, Russ. It doesn't matter if Joel Embiid can hit a trailing three-pointer at 33%, 34%, if he becomes a better outside shooter. I know that people will complain, fucking complain and say, well, he's got to get his fat ass on the blocks, you know? But it doesn't matter because you can play four out, one in with Ben Simmons being the one in. You know, and that way you save Joel and B too. There's plenty of possessions for Joel to quote unquote get his ass on the blocks because you have a bunch of possessions in a game. Um, but listen, there's going to be possessions where obviously he could be in the best shape of his entire life, but he's going to like bust his ass defensively to alter a shot to contest a shot, and it might not be feasible for him to run all the way down to the other rim and then post somebody up. You know, that takes a lot out of you. So listen, if Joel Embiid shoots five, six three pointers a game and he hits like two of them, he's a 33% three point shooter. So it, that's another way to go. If, if Ben, well, one of one of Ben or Joel has to help the other out. You know, I think that's what it comes down to. And if Ben doesn't come back with the jump shot, they can't solve their spacing issue unless Joel starts shooting better, you know? Yeah. Well, I would say that uh, I, I think I believe. I do. You're a believer? I thought three point shots from guards are fairy tales. Meant for the Celtics, but not for me. Sim is out to get me. That's the way it's seen. Fultz's jumper haunted all my dreams. Then I saw that fin. Now I'm a Ben Lever. Not a trace. A right-handed shot. I'm in love. I'm a Ben Lever, I couldn't leave her if I tried. That's it. Thank you. Russ, that was really so good, much. man. Thanks, man. So that was a great it. performance. Um, that's called a Ben Lever. You're a Ben Lever. I'm a Ben Lever. Mm. I appreciate the enthusiasm, man. That was a great It's really hard to try to figure out like how to put in a thoracic outlet syndrome in there. Uh, I'll work on that for the second <laughs> the second verse. <laughs> you remember the one podcast we need, did? Where I need I a just... whole thing about a Kendall Jenner too, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I now that you say that, I remember there was a uh, a podcast where we um, that we called uh, we called it Thoracic Park. Thoracic Park. Yeah. Yep. And I think I just sat there. <laughs> 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 it was pretty bad, but I think uh, I just, um, I think I sat there just playing this for like uh, 30 seconds, didn't I?
Thoracic Park. That was the pterodactyl. All right, let's get it back to the uh, to the let's Eagles. Let's get it back to the Eagles. Russ, are you as annoyed by the training camp thing as I am? Um, I don't know if anybody's as annoyed as you are. What is it with What is it with you these days? Anyway, you either like have a really passionate take about something, or you just like don't care at all. Like there's no middle gr- there's a... no middle ground with you anymore. Well, like you used to have I'm a not... take, used to have an opinion on everything, and now it's like you either have a take or you have nothing. Well, here's the thing. I think the Eagles uh, the Eagles are getting away with something they wouldn't have gotten away with three years ago, but I think the city's gotten soft since they saw Nick Foles hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Mm. I think that's what we're seeing yeah. because if the Eagles had decided to fundamentally change, and you can make the argument, I know people are probably screaming right now, they left Lehigh before they won the Super Bowl. I get it. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Um, the, okay. Kids bad. Um, the, here's the thing, though. If the Eagles had decided to go down to just one practice five years ago, ten years ago, there, there would have been calls for probably Joe Banner's head on a spike, right? But now all of a sudden because the team is – you know, considered to be a favorite coming out of the NFC. And uh, I'm trying to think who it was. Colin Coward uh, last mm-hmm. week described the Eagles and the Patriots as like the gold standard, oddly enough. Yeah, he was dissing, uh, he was dissing being, Cowboy of, fans in that. Of being the, uh, you know, the two, two of or the two best run organizations top to bottom mm-hmm. in the NFL mm-hmm. in the National Football the League. The National Football League. It's, uh, you know, I, I think that the city's gotten soft on this. And I think the Eagles have kind of hid behind the idea that, well, the $10 fee goes to benefit autism. You know what else could go to benefit autism? Jeffrey Lurie writing a, a large check from his personal account or the team making a donation from all of the revenue they get via tickets and uh, the selling of merchandise yeah. in their stores. Yeah. They could go and make a much more meaningful donation. Um, but that's fine. I get it. I think it would just be better. And we've talked about this before. I think that if you had made an optional donation that benefits the Eagles, uh, you know, autism outreach, then I think you probably would get a lot of people who put $50 down, put $100 down, because a lot of people know somebody who has, uh, you know, been somewhere on the autism spectrum. And it, it's more meaningful to to certain people than to others. But there, there are even just the people who, who don't even know what autism is who are probably still going to put money out because it's a charity. But you, you don't require it, and you certainly don't require it when you've taken what used to be, what, a week-long extravaganza for people to, to go up to Lehigh. Mm-hmm. It was at least a week, right? Or was it only a week that it was open to the public? Mm-hmm. And now you've taken it down to one practice, and you're going to charge people. It's a mandatory fee. Like I, I get why you're upset about it. I just think that the city's gotten soft. Yeah, that's cer- certainly a good point. Like the timing of it, you know, I think people are numb to it because there's like a period where the Eagles can do no wrong now, you know, like it's a long grace period because they finally won the first damn Super Bowl of all time. And like, you know, to your point, I don't, I don't think any, I don't think many people are really complaining about the $10 thing as, as much as, as much as the idea that this was a long standing tradition that has been debased to the point where it's like nothing, you know. So I think you have to separate those two ideas first off. Um, you know, but I, I, I guess people could complain about the idea that you're taking an event that used to be free and then making making it a, a monetary thing. You know, so that's why you can now put the Eagles into this this uh, little narrative or this little statistic that they're they're one of just two teams that doesn't have a free public training session for fans, right? So that's a place where you yeah. don't want to be, right? 
And look, let's just step before I go on to this, let's just establish a couple facts here, right? I mean, regardless, like it, it Lehigh is is just not really feasible anymore. It's just not logical to ask dudes to go shack up in a dorm room in you know, an hour away in August. Well they could do it at, in fairness, they used to do it at Westchester, right? Yeah. And like Westchester, my alma mater, um, has m- more than adequate space in dorms, South Campus apartments, luxury, yeah. whatever you want to do. Well, I mean still it. it's like you like got they, you got they could absolutely do it, but I, I get what you're saying. You got professional facilities right here in Philadelphia. They can go home to their house at yeah. night. You know, I mean, I understand from like a logic standpoint, it's just, you know, it makes more sense to just keep it in, keep it in house and keep them around the pro facilities and just, just do it here, you know, but I, I think that part of it, part of it's the camaraderie though, right? Like that's, that's part of why they do it. It's, it's effectively supposed to kind of stretch that idea the, of the camaraderie you build in the college team, program. team building, like team building keep everybody yeah, together, and, and yeah. like get you away, yeah. you know, as awful and, and, and sensitive as this might sound to some, but like to get you away from your family, because your family, as much as you love them, can be a distraction. Yeah, like true. if, and this is actually, let me take this back to something that Jim Curtin said at the, uh, the the media day game thing. They do a morning survey for all of their players when those guys come into the facility mm-hmm. to do their their daily training, where they ask them where their their frame of of mind is. Like if um, I don't know who has a family on the team, uh, who's somebody that's old. Let's say El Senio. Let's say El Senio's got a wife and three kids. I don't think any of this is true, but I don't know. He's the Brazilian Ben Affleck after all. Let's say like he and his wife were up all night because their youngest kid who we're going to say is four months old was crying all night and it was it was a really rough one and he barely slept and then his wife was angry this morning mm-hmm. and, it, and it didn't go well. He he notes that in some way, shape or form on a survey so that the coaches know that he might not be in the best frame of reference or the best frame of mind. And of course, like if he's doing any kind of like a sleep tracker, like I'm assuming the Eagles might do, even though uh, Chip Kelly's no longer in town. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll it'll make sense of some of like the raw data that they might get from whatever readings that the team might be trying to collect on their players' sleep patterns, right? That is all kind of like those are all kind of things that you get to take out of the equation if the players are removed from their family setting yeah. and are strictly yeah. focusing on football. Yeah, no, just it's, an idea. It's, no, it's 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 right. You're right. Um, and I think to me, it was always about. You know, when I come back to training camp, to me, it was always like this idea of you know, like the like the essence of training camp, the spirit of training camp was to, to create this this bond between fan and team, right? Like if you were a ten year old kid, um, you know, Sean Landetta is walking off the field, right? And he comes over and he takes a picture with you and he says, "Hey, buddy, how you doing? Here's my used jock strap. I want you to have it." You know, and you as a ten year old excited kid say, Wow, I got Sean Landetta's used jock strap, you know? And it's exciting and it's like an impressionable moment for a young fan. That's a story you can tell for the rest of your life. And, you know, it's a memory that you'll always have. And you are a lifelong Eagles fan. And it was just to have that interaction, that very close interaction with players that you otherwise could not, you know. So I think that's kind of what what's missing here. It was it was going up to Lehigh or Westchester or whatever. It's kind of like kind of like a pilgrimage, right? It was like a a, a rite of passage of sorts. Yeah. You know, like um I got to ask investor Jeff, but don't all the all the Jews go to Jerusalem at some point in their life? Like isn't that wow. part of the religion, right? Painting with a uh, with a very wide brush. I believe that there are people who <laughs> no, do it's a thing, right? Yes. Yeah, you can, I don't know. I don't know if everybody. That's does. not and I have a lot of Jewish friends. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the way that that came up was. Who go, who else uh, goes on I a have, pilgrimage? He says that's the first thing have, that came to my I mind. Have, 
I have a lot of I have a lot of Jewish friends. Believe yeah. me, nobody respects the. No, but like, um, I I don't know. None of let me my just Jewish put it this way let's, that let I know me... of have gone to Jerusalem, but it is entirely possible. Okay, yes, so there are there are there are. That, that there are... I'm gonna I'm gonna DM investor Jeff right ask now. Ask him. Hold ask on, him if yeah, because I think ahead. like it's I think it's like in some religions, Judaism being one of them. You go to you once in your life. You're supposed to go to Jerusalem if you are if you. Uh, uh, you know, in another religion, you go to uh, where, where do uh, the Muslims go? They go to Mecca or they go to Medina or something like that, right? So the point point being is like it was like something for every Eagles fan to kind of do. Like, have you ever gone to Lehigh? Have you ever gone to Westchester? It's like a rite of passage, right? It was like a pilgrimage to say you went and did that, and it was just like a you know a fan thing that you did in the summer. Everybody did it, you know. It's just like kind of a shame that um, that that no longer exists. Like you, you can still there's still opportunities, I guess, to like you know, to have those impressionable moments for young fans and stuff like that. But you're never going to be able to recreate that moment. People our age and people who are older than us, like I'm 34, um, you're a little bit younger than me, but people in their 30s or 40s and stuff like that, probably all of them can tell you a story about going to Westchester, going to Lehigh or something like that. And like Reggie White, like shook your hand or Coy Detmer, like took a selfie with you on your Blackberry or something like, you know, like there's always some kind of like great story that you can tell. And that helped you know, strengthen the bond that you had to that team. You know, you felt more of a connection to them. So I don't know. I went to, I went just like how everybody should, everybody should do the, uh, when you turn 21, you have to do the, uh, the pilgrimage. You got to get on route 61 and you got to go up to Pottsville, Pennsylvania, sit at club 18 at like 1130 at <laughs> night, get a, uh, get a logger draft, right? Because uh, everybody knows that logger in Pottsville is the yeah, freshest yeah, and it, you know, it, it's, it, it tastes it better out of the tap. And then around like twelve thirty or so in the morning, Diane, if she's still there, hope she is. Rest in peace if she's mm-hmm. not. Uh, she comes out and she she'll uh, heat you up a Charlie's pizza. I didn't know that they. Nobody actually knows why they have a a, a partnership. I don't actually know if they do, but uh, she'll heat you up a pizza and then give you shots of Tullamore Dew. Everybody knows this, Kevin. It is a pilgrimage that everyone needs to take to the coal region, and and it's just the same thing with like Lehigh. It's effectively so. The same. Let me like just wrap it up with because the the reason it came back up into the news cycle today, and this was the story that led the site for most of the day it was because Don Smolensky went on WIP and Angelo asked him about it and so Smolensky said like number one we're trying to do what's best for the football team blah blah, blah. we have to manage the neighbors um, he says we have we've had to have some compromises and that compromise is that we can only bring so many people into NovaCare to watch because people say well why don't they just bring the fans to NovaCare there's a lot of space there where you could set up bleachers and you could really fit a lot of fans in there but literally, they, they like across the street, Hartranf Street is behind the Novacare facility, and there's there's people who live in row homes, like like brownstones behind it. So I don't know what it says in the lease, like how many people they can have out there, how much noise they can have. I mean, remember when Chip Kelly was like blasting shitty music, really shitty music uh, over the speakers? Like, was that not a violation? Plus, when you go down there, there's like a hundred media members. There's like a hundred players. There's like 50 staffers walking around. There's like a bunch of, there's tents for like corporate sponsors and like corporate sponsors, friends you get to walk around. So there's already like, like 300 people down there. So like, what is the hard number if there's a cap? Right. I don't, I don't get that. The other thing he said was that like that he said attendance was down last year and he said they had 120,000 tickets sold for the two, for the two practices. And he said only 2,500 people came to both days. Right. Only 2,500 people came to both days. Well, that's that's missing the point. That's not what you're trying to do. You're not looking for overlap. You're not looking for the same person to come down five days in a row. You're trying to, ca- yeah, look for, you're yeah. trying to cast as wide a net as possible and get as many different people as you can down there. So every different demographic, every different 
portion of the Eagles fan base, those people have an opportunity to come down and do it. Because look, let's be like, let's be honest here. There's people up in Kensington, North Philly, whatever the fuck, who cannot afford to go to a preseason game or a regular season game. Okay, what they can afford to do is maybe get on the subway, you know, drive down, take the family down to an open session or something like that, you know, and get to be close to the team that they love. You know, so is that really too much to ask? You know, I know it costs money to open the link. You know, I know there's operating costs that go along with it. You got to staff it. Um, you know, concessions and things like that. What are you doing with that? So, so I get it. But uh, now if you're one of those people who are lower income, you know, you don't really have, if you come from that socioeconomic background, you don't really have much of an opportunity to see the team at all. Um, and the final thing that Smolensky says was like, they have a Rolling Stones concert tonight. They're playing probably right now, actually. Um, but the field's going to torn up and they're going to resod it. So like, I get it. Okay. You don't want to chew it up again, but really, I mean, these, these, these practice sessions, are like a glorified walkthrough. Like there's barely any like hitting there. I don't think unless you're Stuart Bradley and you're tear up your knee. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. like you go up, it wasn't Rest it wasn't the point. Every because one of the comebacks that people say is like, well, well, nothing happens at camp anyway. It's so fucking boring. Well, that's not the point. I mean, like it was just to sit there and like be close to it and be around it and absorb it and take it all in, you know. And uh, now you don't have that. You know, it's just about the connection that people go to baseball games and just sit there and absorb it too. When there's not a ton of on field action happening and I don't get a ton of complaints about that. So it just, it just annoying because it's like, it's like a part of fandom that's like kind of dying off and I don't think it'll ever come back, you know? Well, and I think we can, we can kind of, uh, we can expand what you said earlier about like people who are just like lower income who might not be able to afford to go to a game. If you have a family, right? Like if you've got two, three kids, I mean that, that gets really expensive really quickly. Right. And yeah. the idea of trying to shell out, you know, the money for five tickets for your family to go to, to a game for them to be able to like go see their, you know, the, the players that they emulate or that they look up to as heroes. Like, I, I don't know, let's say conservatively, you can get an upper deck ticket for like what, 60 bucks, maybe 80. Let's go with 80. Yeah. I mean, they're good. So like, let's say 80, uh, are we going to really expect somebody to throw $400 out plus service fees plus tax for their kids to like have the opportunity to go see Carson Wentz from like, the upper deck at the link Mm -hmm. versus you know if if they get to go to a practice or they have the chance to go to multiple practices or they have multiple dates on the calendar and you can like take time off coordinate it with your spouse and like take your family down and again that's why i said like the donation thing like if i knew i couldn't afford four hundred dollars which i can't but like if i couldn't afford four hundred dollars for my family to like go see an eagles game but i can go and like donate 50 bucks on my own volition and and like do that to go you know pick a date and, and coordinate those things and take my kids down to like go see Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey. Like I would do that. And so, I don't know. I, I just feel like, look, Anthony and I have like talked about this on, on snow, the goalie a lot about like the way that the flyers and Comcast have gone a lot more corporate and how they're pricing a lot of families out and they're pricing a lot of people out of their lower, their lower bowl seats for, you know, what's effectively going to probably just go back to being like broker owned crap where, you know, people are going to shell out, thousands of dollars for seats that they're not actually going to sit in at any point during the season and it's just it's just kind of like i think it's part of a a negative trend that we're seeing in the city and the difference here of course is like the owner didn't die and get replaced by somebody who was never really around a sport like dave scott with the flyers Mm -hmm. jeffrey lurie has owned this team and to see like these kind of changes happen under his watch like to me i think it's a little bit disappointing if nothing else it's it's just it's part of I think what's becoming more of a corporate culture 
in that sports well, complex. And the thing that's and crazy, I, and I get that they need to fill their coffers, but like you're leaving out a large, you know, segment of your fan base that, quite frankly, got you to where you were for generations. Yeah, no, it's a good. I, it's just it's a no. Shame. It's a good point. Like that. Like to that point too. You know, Lane Johnson's making fun of the Patriots because of their culture of fear, right? And everybody talks a big game about how the culture inside the locker room is great. Culture at Novacare is great. Emotional intelligence. We fired the coach because he didn't have emotional intelligence. You know, now you have a coach that understands everybody and takes everybody into account. You know, so so how how is that not being then uh how does how does it manifest itself internally, but now externally you're cutting people out? That's what doesn't make sense to me. There's like an incongruence, a lack of congruence there to what you're doing internally, to what you're extending to the fan base now. You know, and that's just not a Jeffrey Lurie kind of thing. It's never been his kind of thing. They've always been very good with the fans, so I don't fucking know. A um, couple other quick Eagles topics. Actually, you know what? That's a good segue into the – did you see the Pat Fitzgerald shit from last week where they asked him yeah, why they why, <laughs> why college football attendance was down, and he went off on this rant about phones? I wrote the story up yesterday, and like I thought he made a lot of sense in what he was saying, but I didn't, I didn't think – I didn't think it was applicable to why attendance is going down. Like he was kind of blaming people like saying they have a lack of attention because they're on their phone all the time. And, you know, they can't pay attention to a football game or they don't go tailgate. They don't want to sit there and tailgate for a while. And like, maybe, maybe there's some truth to that, but I think it's probably because it's just too damn expensive to take, to take, uh, take your family to a game. And you could sit there like Coggin was saying on Twitter. It's like, you can just sit there in front of your big, like 4k TV and not have to pay anything and enjoy the game that way. And you can watch like four college football games at once, you know? Yep. But it's funny how he's like talking oh. about what? With breaking news, breaking news from our, uh, from resident expert of Judaism, investor Jeff, who, uh, who says that the concept of going on a pilgrimage is something that's encouraged of all young Jewish people. Um, not necessarily to Jerusalem, but to Israel. Birthright. So yeah. It's birthright. Jeff. Yeah. There, you're always supposed to, you're supposed yeah. to go visit the, uh, he says he went in college. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I knew I was onto something there. I didn't think I okay. was off base. I wasn't, you know. It was just the way that you came. <laughs> Believe me, all the Jews they go to Israel. Like what? No, I know you got to be careful these <laughs> days because the people, people have always become like, offended by something. But I was right. All the Jews go to Israel. It's like a, it's like to go back to encouraged. go back to the homeland, right? Isn't that the whole point? All the skooks are encouraged <laughs> to go back to Club 18 on homecoming weekend. Everybody knows I know, this. I, well, I should. Virginia. I always thought I should pick a religion because then I get to like justify going somewhere for a for a trip, see the world, you know. Or you can be an atheist and just hate everyone. Well, we don't. We don't hate. We're not full of hate. You know, we're oh, very oh, logical. Here we go. People. Yeah, the libertarian atheist, also known <laughs> as somebody who's afraid of commitment. Good. Good. Continue. Speaking of libertarian atheism. Um, or actually just uh, sharing your political beliefs in general. Um, did you have a take on Dan Lebitard going off on the, on the Trump thing on ESPN? Yeah, I, this is it. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Dan Lebitard decided that he wants to work somewhere else. Um, I, I think that he knows that at this point he's either going to get a full radical change of the policy at ESPN that doesn't let them talk about politics after Jamel Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, or he knows that he's going to have a lot of suitors elsewhere. He'll probably get paid a, a handsome severance package and have a non-compete for a few months, and then he'll get to dictate whatever he wants. 
I, I kind of think that's where we're at because the the notion that like Dan Lebertard isn't going to be able to find a job if ESPN were to cut him loose or were to come to a buyout agreement with him is just nonsensical. Like Fox would go after him in a heartbeat. Like Fox Sports, Fox Sports Radio would go John after him. John Skipper would I would probably bet call you, him. I would, you know. <laughs> I bet you CBS Sports would go mm. after him. They would probably make him a focal point of uh, of DAZN, which I believe is where Skipper yeah, is that's now. Where he is. Yeah. Um, he would. Um, I would guess that Bill Simmons and the Ringer podcast network would probably make him an offer. Mm. Like uh, he would have, he would have suitors. And honestly, I, I'm not so sure that it wouldn't be the worst thing for his career because I, I like the Lebertard show. It's not like I'm listening, uh, every day, but it's an enjoyable show. Even if you're not based out of Miami, the one thing that I think would be a loss for the network really is, uh, is uh, highly questionable because I'm assuming he would take Poppy with him, which would be very sad. But um, I, I, I don't blame him for going off the way that he did. I get why people don't want their want politics mixed in with their mm-hmm. sports, and I think that's fine. Um, and, and honestly, like, I think the idea of ESPN going back to just being you know, live games and sports highlights isn't the worst thing in the world. But if one of your people decides to sound off, I don't know if there's much that you can or should do besides like a short suspension, right? But like... I don't know. Well, the first thought that went through my head was like he he did his thing and people were applauding him. And of course, he's a Hispanic male. And then I was surprised that I didn't see as many think pieces Hispanic? about the fact that like. Yeah. Lebatard is a Hispanic name. I his dad is Poppy. Oh, that's his dad. Yeah. Oh. I didn't know that was his dad. I think so. I mean, dad? otherwise I just made. I don't that really up. watch. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch the show. Well, isn't like the first hour? The first hour of the show is like Miami only, right? And then it's nationally syndicated. I think is that what happens? Is that what happens? His radio show, but then know. Poppy on. comes on. Highly, I'm going to look this up. He now. comes on highly questionable, which is which is the TV side of it later, right? God, I should know oh, this. Man, I'm gonna have to look this up now. Hold on. Well, you, you look. You that go. Up. You, you go do your up. thing. I'm, yeah, I've got to find no, out because just... this is gonna upset me now. Because otherwise, I've been believing this whole time oh, that I he's don't, Hispanic I don't, because I don't... because of the poppy character on Highly Questionable. I'm gonna be very um, upset. Well, I think the thing. That... No, he's Cuban. I'm right. It's he's Cuban. Cuban. Okay. There we go. Okay. okay. So he's Cuban, and uh, I, I was surprised that there weren't more think pieces saying that like Hispanic male has been getting, you know, plenty of praise from a lot of national outlets and Jamel Hill, African American mm-hmm. woman, got slaughtered by a lot of uh of outlets, you know, more the conservative leaning, yeah, but like yeah. still. It felt like her now, I think she flat out did she call him a racist the first time and Lebetard said that what was going on at the rally was racist? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really yeah. like e- either way they both kind of hit a similar chord. Um, racism around Trump. Trump yeah. But- well, well, but the thing I think that was interesting to me was, you know, now I, w- I was interested to see what ESPN does because they have this policy in place. And if they suspend Levitard or fine Levitard or whatever the hell, then you risk, you know, stirring up a little bit of a furor among people who agree with him, you know, like on the left side, right? And, uh, you know, maybe he's thought of a little bit as a martyr maybe i don't know like if he would get fired or something like that maybe they would be a he would be a martyr but uh, you know if they don't do anything at all then they're just basically admitting that the policy is flimsy and it doesn't have anything to stand on you know and then lebitard just walks all over and then everybody else at espn starts talking about politics too you know like we argued about this on slack like like a lot of times people should know like listeners should know that like we don't do a lot of political talk on twitter 
uh we, we i mean like we try to stay away from it in general because like you know like we, we're sports dudes like you don't you don't follow crossing broad to hear our political opinions and like you don't listen to this podcast to hear our political opinions so what we do is we we yell at each other on slack and that's how we get it out of our system right so jeff and phil and i were talking about it for a while on slack the other day and i was just like look it's like if you if you feel the need to like say this to break from protocol and if you feel like it's important enough the political climate in this country that you feel like you have to stand up and say something then then fine like do it but you know you work for a private company the private company has a policy then there may be ramifications for what you say right so i don't really think it's any more complicated than that you know i just think that when it comes to the stick to sports argument i think people like to say well you're trying to suppress freedom of speech i'm like no it's it's not that at all it's like i i like you people don't follow people follow me for like sixers and soccer news and stuff like that you don't follow me for politics like likewise i don't follow you for politics either like i choose to get my politics from political people and sports stuff from sports people and if the sports people want to talk politics like whatever like it really doesn't bother me but you might piss off some of your followers and you might lose them so like i don't think it's it's is it it's not any more complicated than that is it I don't think anybody's so, trying to silence I think the thing anybody. That the re- yeah. Well, the, and also the reason that I said I, I think that he might be looking for a job elsewhere is because the Levitard thing was very reminiscent of what happened with Bill Simmons at the end of his run with ESPN. True. Where like now he and now I've I've listened to his podcast for I don't know how long now, but he's said this a few times. But like the thing that he regrets probably if if he were going to go back uh, was the bad spot that had put a lot of the people that worked for Grantland. Um, you know, because he he started kind of belligerently challenging ESPN to do something about him going off on Roger mm-hmm. Goodell, and Levitard by by calling the policy cowardly, and kind of continuing to bring ESPN into it because of their policy. I think that that to me it was kind of like Shades of Bill Simmons mm-hmm. in a very different way, and, and like you know this is him going after, you know, the uh, the president in the same way. No, a similar vein uh, Jamel Hill yeah. did, and, and he saw how that worked out, and then he he kind of openly challenged the company that employs him not to do something about it, but called them cowardly. Like it, it's going to get some kind of blowback. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see what happens because he's a talented guy, and I'm sure that he would land on his feet wherever he wherever he would want to go. But ESPN's at a really strange crossroads, and it's uh, yeah, yeah, it is a crossroads. It's strange to see. Yeah, what's I'm happening. interested to see what they you do. Um, but speaking of. Well, I guess it's kind of a crossroads. The Inquirer buyouts, um, John Smallwood, Sam Donnellan, Rick O'Brien are all going to move on from the paper, from the company. Um, Stu Bykofsky, who didn't really do a lot of sports, but he's gone as well. Um, a couple sports editors. They're trying to get trim 30 people from the staff. Zach Berman left, and he's going to the Athletic. Um, so now, and then Shiel Kapati has actually taken on a, a national gig for the athletic. So now the, now the inquirer is down to three Eagles writers instead of four, um, seven, seven on game days. If, if you How include the four, the four columnists, um, man, I, you know what? I, I liked, um, John Smallwood. I, I knew him from working, uh, he used to come down to the union games. Um, <clears throat> You know, he he did uh, Villanova actually when he started at the newspaper a long time ago. And then he became a columnist, and then they, they put him back on Villanova, I think, recently. Um, I know he was kind of like an anti-process guy, and he took some shit, um, you know, from the younger crowd out there. I didn't know Sam Donnellan at all. Did you have any any inter- interaction with him on the Flyers beat? 
Yeah, he seemed like nice a nice guy. guy. Um, I I likened him to uh, Mr. Rogers a couple of times because he would always show up in these like uh, just Mr. Rogers esque sweaters. <laughs> and well, uh, it's cold in there, man. The Wells Fargo is freaking cold, man. So um, yeah, but he like wore he kind of like wore the old man vests oh, okay. and like the old man sweaters where it's kind of got the uh, uh, I don't know what the official uh, term it almost looked like it was crocheted. Oh, like the kind yeah, of oh, I see. There was there was texture. Yeah. There was like texture okay. to right. his to his sweaters. But he seemed like a nice guy. I had a few yeah. few interactions with him. He seemed perfectly likable. And and I I remember him specifically from like the days of Daily News Live on Comcast. Yeah, he was Sportsnet. on a lot. Like yeah. to me, and so was John. John. Dan Ellen was like he. Yeah, they were they were kind of like faces of that era. Again, like this is almost like how NBCSN Philly found itself, you know, at a crossroads of of programming and and moving on from things that had been successful and that people had tuned into for a long time. You know, it's it's kind of the same thing here. We're like, it's it's again the changing the guard. We saw that at that network. You know, by them moving away from that model and and guys like uh, Ron Burke getting or no, is no Burke is Burke no, still there? No, Ron Burke's gone. No, Burke Neil, is gone. Um, Neil, Neil Hartman, Hartman, John Bork. <laughs> you started moving away from. Oh wow, well, you know, I'm sure he'll have a Facebook post ready uh, when he hears this. But you know, like you think about it, and it's like they they that network moved away from you know real institutions for people like me who mm-hmm. grew up watching that network and the inquirer is doing what they have to do, I guess, in, in whatever they think is probably the, the only way to save the paper. And, and I don't mean to like continue to like drive home the point that we all kind of know anyway, but the newspaper business is in such trouble and, and institutions like the Philadelphia inquirer are in such trouble because they don't know how to, how to go to a digital model because they're way too late and trying to transition to it. Yeah. It's something that they should have been doing a decade ago and they were convinced that the name of the paper was going to, you know, keep them afloat. And they're finding out very quickly that some decisions made over the last decade really screwed them. And I, yeah. I honestly don't know how they're going to be able to get themselves out of it because it's just it's not it doesn't feel like the same kind of necessity that it, it used to be to have the daily paper. So I'm trying to pull it up here, but they have uh, there was an eight eight page memo that was sent to uh, employees there of the Philadelphia Media Network, and it was um, it was dated June 17th. It was called "Unlocking a New Era of Inquirer Journalism: uh, A Report to the Company from Our Management Offsites." And uh, basically, like it's just huge long manifesto of just how like like where the industry is and where they are right now. And like the one paragraph, I think that jumped out to me was, I think it was this one right here. Uh, print circulation and advertising revenues continue their steep decline. Metro us daily newspapers experienced an average circulation drop of 41 to 45% from 2012 to 2018 newspaper print advertising revenue nationwide declined about 70% between 2005 and 2018 from $49 billion to about $15 billion. Digital advertising revenue has been insufficient to offset these declines, growing to about $5 billion in 2018, up from $2 billion in 2005. So, you know, and that, that's, that, those stats right there are in a memo that were sent to Inquirer employees, you know? So, I mean, that's not like just me making up shit or like coming at it from some like biased kind of angle. I mean, like, they, like it's, you know, I think everybody can see the writing on the wall. Um, you know, these guys had great careers too. I mean, like Rick O'Brien, for example, you know, covered like Imhotep and Archbishop Wood and St. Joe's Prep and, you know, all the big high school programs and whatnot. But I don't know, man. It's just, I don't know what else to say other than it's just this is the way that the world is going right now. So, uh, 
I didn't see any other names that popped I, out. I don't but know those if, are the three the three big ones along with Zach moving to move to the athletic, you know. Well, I and this is the other thing, and I, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, but um the UK market was scrambling a lot because the athletic went and poached, I guess, a, a bunch of the top writers, uh the top soccer writers in the UK from like the Guardian yeah. um and, and from other outlets, and they're all freaking out because it wasn't something that they expected. The athletic just kind of went in and I mean, to their credit and it's a, it's a very ballsy tactic. They went and poached a lot of the the top people like the Adam Schefter and, and Woj equivalents of English yeah. soccer. And those papers had no idea what to do. And now they're starting to realize by looking at the, the models, uh, you know, and, and, and everything that's happened in the U S with uh, the newspaper industry and, and the way that, you know, some of their best writers getting poached, has affected them, it's caused, you know, a, a pretty massive panic over there. Well, I so, mean, hold on. I mean, Let's just back yeah. it up a second. Like, I just kind of casually dropped it, but The Athletic taking Zach Berman from the Philadelphia Inquirer is huge. I say massive. Yeah. Like, Zach was, um, Zach's one of the best over there. Just a, a good dude and just really good at what he does. Doesn't really do all the bullshit on social media like we do. You know, doesn't do, like, goofy bullshit back and forth with people. And he's the local representative for... Um, for the, uh, what the hell is it called? The pro, like the pro football writers of America, right? Yeah, and he was one of the six people that was invited to the uh, super secret Carson Wentz John last year, you know what I mean? So that's pretty significant, man. I mean, they poached, locally they poached Zach Berman. They took um, uh, Gelb, right? Matt Gelb. Yep. They got uh, Megan Monomoro from, um, from Delaware. Um, they originally got Capati to leave ESPN to come back and and reestablish right, right. or or establish the market. Now he's going um, national. Did they take anybody else directly from the Inquirer Daily News? I'm trying to think. Um, uh, no, but they got they have some. They, I was thinking of the Sixers guys, but none they of them were not were writing, writing for, for yeah. For like, well, Rich they, had a good Rich like, Hoffman had a good yeah. gig of voice, you know. Um, yeah, but like voice isn't necessary. Like I wouldn't consider voice to be. No, no, but they split. They split off from the Inquirer, so they they all sure. came from that same. Like if you think about it, like all the people at Voice came from the same level that the Inquirer would be considered at. You know, because that's where they all started. That's where it splintered off of. So yeah. So I don't know, man. There's some changes in the uh, in the local uh, scene. That's for sure. But I mean, I'm interested to see what, what the Inquirer does. I mean, like surely you don't need fucking eight people at a, every Eagles game, do you? Like. I don't know. You, no. can, you can get desk people to write no, off don't. quotes too if you really need to. Um, well, and this is the other thing because you brought up Dinellen, but like the Inquirer would send two or three guys to a Flyers game, and like if you think about the expense of that, like I don't know what would happen. Well, who like so would, would games, Sam? But like Sam Carcitti travel to road games. Okay, yeah, so, so like, but it, but, but like, at home, but like Danellen, and Carcitti would be at home games. I don't know because I'm not, I wasn't on the road. Is right. what I'm saying. Like, right. it's entirely possible that those guys were both at away games. I honestly mm-hmm. don't know. But like, if you think of the expense of that, or like if those guys are going to expense travel to Wells Fargo Center or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I don't know how they get paid. If they get paid by like, if they get a stipend for when they go to the game, if they like pay, they don't have to pay for parking, but like if they pay for concessions, I mean, there's the media meal. So they're probably going to get that tab picked up by the paper. Like you start to think about it. And then you think about like, that's just for hockey in a down season where there was nothing good happening on the ice. And then think about that times four for the Eagles, right? It's like the same concept. And like, well, there's fewer games, but I mean, yeah, it's just, God, I don't know. I don't know. It's um, 
you know, they have the rotating columnists who do a bunch of different stuff, but it's just, everybody's got to rethink that kind of thing. It is sad to kind of think that like for the Sixers, for example, the only people on the road games are Serena and, uh, and Keith, you know, Serena winners and Keith Pompey, yeah. you know, so it's not even really like, yeah, we, we only are really covering half the games. Like there's so much you miss when you're not at the road games. So it is what it is, I guess. Although I, I think for, for, nothing else like I think it's a really sad time if you decide that you want to be a writer like especially a sports writer there it feels like you know on one hand you could make the argument well you know what maybe now the inquirer and and those traditional outlets are going to be more open to to getting kids right out mm-hmm. of college and allowing them to get themselves established but why like, would you want to go there now for being when honest at, like when you just look at it it feels like every year and a half they're just like hemorrhaging people you know yeah, if, if you're 21 and you're going to school for journalism right now and you want to go to sports, you're going to look to go to The Athletic before you're going to look to go to, like, the well, Boston yeah. And Globe. look, I mean, we could go right? down, like, a rabbit I mean, hole of, like, how much work those people do and, like, union representation and, like, like job requirements and stuff like that. But um, let's just say that there are different people in different generations, different people belonging to different yeah. generations who uh, who – who provide more for less, you know? So, yep. Oh, uh, well, uh, uh, really quick. Since I, I know we were talking about the Eagles for a second. I don't know how you felt about this. I have thoughts, but, uh, how about the fact that Wawa decided that they were going to, uh, partner with the Baltimore Ravens? I don't really, how did that make you feel Kevin as a, uh, as a real lunch pail blue collar kind of guy who, uh, of course grew up in Berks County. Well, I'm not going to have went your to take, West Virginia, yeah. lived down in Georgia and now in Georgia resides in the fine city of, uh, yeah. Philadelphia. How do you feel about Wawa betraying the Philadelphia Eagles and siding with, I mean, it's kind of, let's be honest. It's kind of trendy right now to like bash Wawa. I feel like, like the trendy Wawa take is to say like, well, they're not as good as they used to be. Or like they use different bread or some shit, or like they use different, lunch meat what was the complaint like they they still use amorosos right but don't they bake it themselves or something i don't know some shit change with the bread and like you know hardos were complaining about it or whatever but i'm not gonna pull like a u and be like oh it's time for sheets you know it's time for sheets to come down to philadelphia like now nah bro (sighs) all i'm gonna say is the competition is a good thing you see it if you're a pro wrestling fan WWE has gotten better since oh, AEW announced shit, that they're going to have a, a weekly show. I'm just saying, like, Wawa is this, like, undisputed king, and I hate to be the bearer Maybe of Maybe they need news, to be challenged. But uh, the, the quality has certainly dropped because I grew up as a Sheets kid. I came to this area. I understood what Wawa was, which is a place that, like, people like to go get three meals a day, which I still think is stupid. Again, like, I was a Sheets kid. Like, Sheets... You, uh, in fairness, they have really good breakfast yeah. now. We get the tater tots on them, but like you go there for lunch, you go there after like a night at the bar. Wawa, the fact that like people go out of their way to go get dinner to me is just ridiculous. But like I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but like the quality has dropped, and I don't have any like I don't have a stake in this. Like I don't have a horse in this race. I don't really care. I like their sizzlies. I like their coffee, but like three meals a day at Wawa. Like no, I think I just, you need to expand I'm just, your horizons. I'm a little down. I think I'm a little down on Wawa in general because the one closest to me the aramingo avenue wawa is like a no it's like no, to work tr- <laughs> no i won i won that bet well it wasn't a bet but i won the thing yeah, I know, yeah. um the, the aramingo wawa is like just notorious for being like a just a crazed like shithole 
of uh, like tweakers and like like a melting pot of weirdos that are like there at all hours of the day. So I think I'm like kind of like it sounds by extension. I'm kind of like eh, wah wah, but it's more like that specific one, and it's not like wah wah in general. But like did Maryland, like do they even like how far down does wah wah go? Because like you can get them in. It goes. It definitely goes all the way down there. I used to have to. Does make it go that to DC? Four-hour drive from Pottsville. Yeah. It, um, does it go? I does it go south of is. Baltimore? Are there Wawa's south of Baltimore? It goes. It goes past like Glen Burnie. It goes through PG County. Um, don't don't make me. So there's me an overlap up. there where it's Wawa. Uh, Wawa is definitely Waffle yeah, there's, House. There's Waffle Royal House Farms and, and Wawa Royal Farms and Wawa. And Wawa. Actually, there's some sheets down there too because the the uh, Joppa exit, which I don't know anything about Joppa, Maryland, except the fact that like that was that was the furthest south sheets I could find. I would do a ten minute or a ten mile detour on my way down to visit my then mm-hmm. fiance. Um, yeah, I used to used to get out of my way. By the way, if the Aramingo one has a uh, has issues with crime, they might need the uh, Wawa cronies. Did you see that story going around? No. Uh, it was on. A bunch of the local mm-hmm. networks about these uh, these older gents who I think all of them are um, former military mm-hmm. and like the oldest guy I think is like eighty one, but they they take their camping chairs or their folding chairs and they sit by the trash can and they just sit and talk about life and apparently like the upper Darby police chief was asked about it and he said that there have been no complaints from residents and uh, one of the Wawa cronies that's what they call themselves said that the only time that um, none of them were there the store got robbed at gunpoint. Well, why would they so, call themselves the cronies? I guess though? we need... like a, not a flattering name. I don't know. It should be like this. This, this is, I was going to say the squad, but <laughs> I want, I <laughs> hashtag squad goals. I, I want, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, Oh, that's my uncle. I want you to like get in touch with us because I want to get the Wawa cronies on the podcast. So real quick, a story I about do, the police genuinely. chief of upper Darby, his name. Well, he's a superintendent. His name is Michael Chitwood. Uh, that dude has never seen a news camera that he will not go in front of. Uh, I think we put Mike Chitwood on camera every day for like the seven years that I worked at, at eyewitness news. He was just like, <laughs> he just like loved doing media more than anybody, um, ever, but he was a good dude too. He's a good dude. And like, uh, Everybody knew everything about the Upper Darby Police Department because of him. So it was effective, whatever he was yeah. doing. Uh, let's just check and see if we got any questions cool. in here. Any questions, comments, or concerns? Okay. Um, la, 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 la. Uh, Joe. How did you feel uh, as you're doing that? How, how did you feel about uh, Ronald Darby's thoughts on Lil Uzi Vert being the next Bro. Michael Jackson? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Little Uzi. Oh, my God. I, I, can't, I don't want to do, like, another rant. Um, but Uzi, Little Uzi Vert is from, uh, is from Philly, and he's at the Sixers games every so often. And, like, the thing I tell people in Slack and elsewhere is like the celebrities at Sixers games are like M night Shyamalan, uh, a bunch of other Philadelphia athletes from other teams. And then like a couple of shitty rappers like Meek Mill and little Uzi vert, right? Uh, Uzi is t- and Will Smith. Nah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even come. He didn't even show up. He's a minority owner of the team. And doesn't even show up. I would listen to Will. Wild, wild. I would listen to that. Will Smith music before i would listen to uzi or meek for sure uh, but uzi's like a shitty mumble rapper like it's just terrible fucking mumble rap i watched a couple of videos of his the other day and there's one where there's a bunch of like 
women sitting there um, holding like um, violins and cellos and other like wood instruments and they're like naked but they're holding the instruments over their private parts and it's just Uzi like repeating the same line over and over again he's fucking awful just like all these other mumble rappers who just like they don't they don't rap it's like and there's no beats like the lyrics aren't really that great is that charlie manual was that charlie manual trying to make a pitching change because that's, that's well, I, I, I do i cannot stand like. mumble rap I will, I will i will um i could i could just go off on that for like uh an hour if you wanted me to but yeah. nobody wants that um so yeah darby darby yeah. Said, there's only one michael jackson anyway and like if you're putting aside the uh <clears throat> allegations of pedophilia just for a moment uh his <laughs> his music i mean his music like thriller was like 60 million yeah, times yeah, again you're talking about michael jackson the way, i guess that's pretty the way big. That, that came off i was like i was like ronald darby i guess it's pretty no, okay, big you yeah, can't just michael like jackson, shove those okay, accusations okay. off to the side but if we're just talking about the music yeah. of uh michael jackson i mean like you can't you can like nobody will ever be able to touch what he was anyway you know so um oh that sounded terrible jesus not even Christ. mc not even oh, mc hammer um, Joe Stringer asked about the Wawa uh, thing, which we talked about. Um, Sam says, if you were filling one of the two available Sixers roster spots, who would you go with? He says that you'll say Vince Carter. Of course I'll say Vince Is Carter. Jamal Crawford still out there? Did anybody sign him? He is. So, and I wrote a thing for the site last year about how Jamal Crawford is kind of like the uh, the 40-year-old Lou Williams that we could all use and love. Um, I think Jamal Crawford at this point would be a really bad idea. Um, but Vince Carter to me is is the perfect sixer to add to uh, to this team. He's the perfect vet because you think of, of a, a true professional, a guy who hasn't been embroiled in scandal. Granted, he forced his way off of the Toronto Raptors all those years ago. And if he and his uh, distant cousin, Tracy McGrady, had figured out a way to play together and stay together and McGrady hadn't forced his way mm-hmm. to Orlando – they might have ended up being an Eastern Conference dynamo for a decade. Anyway, Carter to me is a guy that I would want to be in the locker room in the ear of Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. Even the guys like Zaire and Thibel. Like He's a guy who not only was at, at different points in his career one of the top five players in the game, but a guy who consistently and constantly reinvented himself throughout the different phases of his career you don't usually see a guy last in the league as long as he has and be willing and able to take on the kind of veteran leader role on a team like he's done in his last few years. You think of like time, his uh, his stints with like Memphis, mm-hmm. with Sacramento, with Atlanta. Those have been young teams and there has never been a negative thing that's come out in the press about him. He's a good guy to have around those young players and he's certainly somebody that I, I know that I would feel better um, having as somebody who would probably transition at some point into even like a player coach role, you know, I, I, that kind of comes to mind too with like the news that Tim Duncan is going to be on the bench with Greg Pop. Real quick, like, I'll just read you. I'll read like you some Carter. names of remaining guys and just give me a yes or no if you would be interested in these dudes. Sean Livingston. Okay. He's not a great. He's I, not really I, a three point. Uh, he's not a three point shooter. I mean, if you're bringing he's in not somebody, a shooter. you're going to bring he's, in a guard. You know, he's somebody. Yeah, he's somebody that you're trying to bring in for for leadership, but he's really Jeremy off Lin. A cliff. I, I would Jerry be okay and Grant, Trey no. Burke, Jared Bayless. <laughs> no. Uh, J.R. No. Smith. He's the ultimate boomer yeah, bust. I don't see it? the I don't see a lot He's of upside. A, like if, if you're that, if you're looking for the you're looking for the bench guard who can come in and, and light up a team, get hot, and like 
J.R. Smith to me is a very intriguing option if you're at the end of the season. He hasn't signed mm-hmm. anywhere. He hasn't blown up a locker room all season. And you know that you need somebody for the postseason that's done it in the past and can get hot from deep. Like that's when I I think right before the uh, the rosters, uh, the roster eligibility for the playoffs closes. If he's still out there and he's in good shape, I, I, that's where I would sign J.R. Smith. But not Lance for the whole Stevenson, season. Iman Shumpert, no. Nick Stauskas, no. Jody Meeks, no. Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> more, I'd, I'd go, I'd go more Meeks than yeah, Stauskas, I, uh, but but neither. And Mello, Mello is like that weird, that weird idea that Kyle. So th- this is part of like the problem with Kyle not, you know, watching basketball, is at the end of last season. He wanted me to write up like seven different times. He's like, you need to write up the post about the Sixers trading for or picking up Mello after they buy him out. I'm like, well, it's it's a terrible idea, and it also won't happen, and he also won't end up with a team because nobody wants to deal with that with the mess around him and the fact that he's a highly inefficient player now. Again, Mello would be like somebody who, if you get to the end of the season, he's out there, and you decide like there's some real front court uh, depth issues on your team, then like maybe maybe you do it, but. It was pretty telling that nobody picked them up last season. We got one more question here um, from Bob Sharp. Um, he says, I know Summer League is not a great barometer, but any performances leading to hope of potential young bench players uh, making an impact this year to provide any sort of depth? Yeah, I mean, my two takeaways from Summer League were, number one, um, I thought Thibault looked pretty good. Um, he shot the three-pointer well enough that I, I think any concerns about his three-point shooting, his catch-and-shoot ability should have been probably probably assuaged. And um, Zaire, you know, I'm in summer league, obviously, but I, I, th- I was really impressed with Zaire's athleticism. Um, so, you know, I don't really have too many concerns about those guys in that department, defense, athleticism, you know, overall overall uh, tool toolbox on that side of the floor. Uh, it's just whether you can get enough offense coming off of the bench, you know. Um I think Thibault looked pretty polished in in a sense. Um, I think he's going to be a, a good fit defensively for the team. The length is something you can't teach. Zaire, at, at some point, man, if he's able to become even a, a somewhat remotely uh, consistent three-point shooter, even like a, a guy who's in the low to mid-30s mm-hmm. in his first year or two in the league, I'm going to obviously dis, you know, discount the, uh, the rookie year that was shortened by all of the health mm-hmm. maladies, but... Um, if he can be somebody that comes in and, and can be like a somewhat reliable threat from deep on the wing, like that would certainly go a long way. Uh, let me throw this to you. What do you think is more likely to happen? Like, who do you think is more likely to play meaningful minutes down the stretch, Thibel or Zaire? Oh, I mean, I guess it would be Thibel because assuming the other like four starters are in and you would just like have him in for defense right I mean he's not going to be taking the last shot anyway um yeah I don't know I just I don't know where's the bench scoring coming from at this at this point in time Thibel Zaire Smith Jonah Bolden I think Horford is going to end up picking a lot of his points up it as as part of a rotation where he's like rolling if they're staggering him and and he's playing some five yeah Yeah. it's it's interesting man um yeah okay let me um i'm gonna put since the rolling stones are playing tonight i'm gonna play my favorite rolling stones song for you whoops that was an accident okay hang on one sec and uh just make sure we've got all our topics in here okay? okay um tom brady did you have a thought on tom brady jumping into the cliff diving 
It's a good thing that that last uh, second tug he did to his daughter's arm pulled her in and didn't smash her face off a rock. That would have been uh, almost as big of a uh, an off-season fumble as Danny Ainge had as a Boston Celtics GM. It was nice to see a parent outside with their kid, spending time with their kid instead of just plopping them down in front of an iPad. You know? Um. Go to uh, crossingbroad.com and read my story, Five Things That the Eagles Have to Fix to Be Better Next Year. I think it's pretty good. Um, I don't. I won't read those five points here because it's too long. Um, the sack of shit lie sound drop that we've been using on the show, that's Stu Bykovsky at his um, going away party, his inquire going away party. Hang on, I like this part. Okay, so let's end it on this. Stu Bykovsky was a columnist who wrote like for 47 years at the Inquirer and at his uh, going away like festivities when he retired and took a buyout, they asked uh, architecture critic. I didn't even know that was a fucking thing, but apparently Inga Saffron has won a Pulitzer for architecture writing in Philadelphia. Um, and she's not, I guess she's not really a fan of Stu Bykovsky. So she kind of like roasted him a little bit. And somebody got like the whole thing on video and it was like really, really awkward. <laughs> she started saying like, it was, it was pretty <laughs> she awesome. Started, like saying these things about him, about like his connections to some like kind of like unscrupulous people in Philly. And he's like, that's a sack of shit lie. And Coggin loved it. And he's been sharing it like every day on Twitter. So I just imagine you imagine Russ, you worked at crossing broad for 47 years. And then on your going away party, I got up and like roasted you for like shitty takes that you had in the past. And uh, that was like your last day fair. of work was one of your coworkers like giving you shit. You know, can you imagine it? I can. Yeah. It's pretty much every day I go into the crossing broad office. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that then. <laughs> Don't forget to go on over to cinch.com. Seriously. C Y N C H.com. Use the promo code crossing broad and the, uh, the first tank that you get exchanged, they'll deliver it to your house. You put an old one outside. A lot of people have asked, will they only take Amerigas tanks? No, they'll take any tank. So if you have like a Blue Rhino or some other propane service, um, you put that on your, on your front porch, on your driveway, on your doorstep. They'll exchange it. $10 is all it costs with a promo code crossing broad. Uh, if you've been on the site, you'll notice that there is a, a code there. It's lit five. You can use that if you're a reader of the site and you prefer to do that. But if you're looking to help the podcast network, Use Crossing Broad as the promo code. Again, $10. It's pretty awesome. They'll take the old one away, and they'll bring you a brand new propane tank. Now that the weather is starting to break and the heat is starting to break, and go back out and grill. So get your uh, propane tank delivered ASAP. Not ASAP Rocky. Not ASAP Rocky. Get it delivered ASAP by Cinch. C-Y-N-C-H dot com. Anything else, Kevin? Oh, no, I thought you were just going to end it on the stones. No, that's it. All right, go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. All of them are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever else you get your podcasts. Crossed Up has a new episode coming out today. Check out, as always, Soccer in Philadelphia, Crossing Broad FC, Broadlines, and Snow the Goalie, where we'll have uh, some special guests coming on again. And we had uh, Jason Mertidis and Russ Cohen of Stick to Hockey, and uh, Mertidis, obviously, of uh, 97.5 on the podcast last week. For Kevin, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon.